Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Rick Sweet. And my name is Jay Swords. This is the podcast segment of the show that is not broadcast on station KALA. Our guest for this 418th show is Dr. Amy Bix, professor of history at Iowa State University, who will be talking to us about time, autonomy, and obsolescence, inequality, precarity, and work amidst 21st century technological change and pandemic crisis. Our history buffs are Terry Toppler and Ed Broders. Ed, why don't you start us off? Thanks, Jay. Amy, one of the things that I've noticed over time is that with the ever-increasing modes of communication that uh, we've become, our society has become more and more isolating. Um, And it strikes me that with so many people working from home, uh, not that the workplace is perfect, but isn't there you know, some social benefit to being in the, in the workplace physically as opposed to sitting at home in front of the screen all day? Yes, you know, absolutely. Humans are fundamentally, when it comes down to it, social animals. And while the workplace definitely is not perfect for everyone, it does allow exchange in person in a way that can be very rewarding. One question has been whether some places have taken that too far. There have been some workplaces, for example, in Silicon Valley, where they've been basically to spend practically their entire lives there, where they provide food, they provide entertainment, and for developing things like games on a very tight deadline, some workers have said that they basically got sucked into devoting their entire life to it, which... In some, they work for a short term and they can really be rewarding, but over the long run, it can be unhealthy. So I think the real struggle is to find a healthy balance, and it's not easy. We were talking before about the pressures to stay online all the time. There have been some studies, psychological studies, showing that when people send an email to a coworker or to a customer service agent, there, there's a very large percentage of people that expect an answer within basically 15 minutes, and people get upset if they don't get an answer right away. And to some extent, it's human nature, but you tend to lose track of the idea that it's a person on the other end. And so we need to keep that eye on humanity in the workplace. And one interesting factor has been, we were talking about working from home, whether it's possible if we lose that connection a bit, if we lose that connection a bit in the workplace, whether it might be possible, at least for some people, to reestablish connections to their neighborhood. I know in my area, I definitely see more people walking around the neighborhood than I did a couple years ago. We live on a lake. I see a lot more people out there fishing than in the past. So work isn't the only way to build connections. It's one of the ways, but not necessarily the best way and not necessarily the only way. All right. Rick. You mentioned, uh, Amy, in the uh, the broadcast por- portion about the disruption uh, technology did uh, in the early uh, 20th century 
Uh, any studies done as to where those displaced workers, those uh, those telephone operators, uh, the the elevator uh, person, you know, where did where did they go? What kind of jobs did they end up uh, securing after their jobs disappeared? Well, the big shift in the American economy, of course, over the long term, has been away from agriculture and manufacturing toward personal services. And it's not just the United States. You see the same thing in Britain and most other Western economies. And the interesting thing there is, again, the question of time. You know, early factories before widespread electrification, they had to work while there was daylight. And so it wasn't uncommon for early factories to run 12, 14, even 16 hours a day. My students are appalled when they read about that. And it's no coincidence that one of the major issues for the American labor movement in the late 1800s was for more humane work hours. A very famous slogan of the labor movement was eight hours for work, eight hours for rest, eight hours for what we will. And so it's no coincidence that that became an issue. And of course, to the extent that work hours are reduced, you have the possibility of spreading out work more among more people, which in turn has the potential to reduce unemployment. Okay, Terry. Yes, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the, the effect of the pandemic on work. And we talked a little bit about perhaps a future expansion of remote working. I can say for myself that having been in a classroom or a library actually for 41 years, my retirement goal was just to be outside in the middle of the day because <laughs> honestly, it was something I never got to experience for 41 years except for summertime. And now that I've gone back to teaching online, I have found it amazing that I have so much flexibility in my day. And I like the fact that you talked about reconnecting with your neighborhood and so on. But what about those jobs you mentioned uh, earlier that are linked to population density? What happens to that business model? Can they transform and how? That is going to be the interesting question. It's been fascinating to see how some businesses adapted to the pandemic. Restaurants that did a quick shift toward making meal kits and other businesses that were able to adapt fairly quickly. But there's no question the pandemic has taken a huge economic and psychological toll as well as a health toll on big segments of the population. And you look at the racial inequities in there, you look at the economic inequities, it's clear that some communities have been very much more vulnerable than others. And so the challenge is going to be to address that, to take a look at again, what we call the essential workers, and to figure out, okay, if we're calling a job essential, then why isn't it recognized always with decent pay? Why isn't it always given protections against pandemic disease? That's been some of the most heartbreaking parts. Okay, um, Amy, I'm a classicist as a historian, and so one of the things that, that really jumped out at me 
as we looked at what has happened in the maybe the last quarter of the 20th century and then in the 21st, brought lots of comparisons in my head to Roman expansionism, the Roman Republic expanding and the influx of slavery and that slave labor replacing uh, particularly the rural small farmer uh, who then ended up in Rome as a sort of um, disconnected, uninvested, um, free population that that was as likely or more likely to turn into a mob and cause uh, social uh, disorder unless it was pandered to. And a great deal of of, um, sort of uh, country treasure uh, went into that kind of pandering. I see a sort of an equivalent situation happening in the pandemic accelerating that with with folks particularly who are not high uh, education or high skill positions finding themselves more and more displaced um, with nowhere in particular to go. Um, is anybody doing thought or futuristic projections of you know how are you going to manage these large populations of individuals? Who, who just may not fit into this in this increasingly shrieking labor force. Right, right. Well, as a classicist, um, I'm sure you're familiar with the Latin concept of otium cum dignitate, leisure mm-hmm. with dignity. Yep, what, what? That people, <laughs> I'm probably mispronouncing it. Nope, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's okay. not in my Black's Law comes- Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> um Otium cum dignitate, um, leisure with dignity, I guess, would be a rough translation. And so Cicero and Seneca and a number of other ancient Roman thinkers had this ideal where they would go off to their country villas and they would spend time reading books and discussing great concepts. But of course, the only reason they were able to do that was that it was a slave society and they had other people providing them with the essentials of life. So this is something we've sort of wound up at the two extremes. If you look at science fiction, there's sort of the dystopia where machines take over all the work and human beings basically become redundant. They're biologically ruined or in some cases even exterminated. You look at things like the movie WALL-E, there are all sorts Mm -hmm. of science fiction scenarios that predict disaster. But then there have been other people since the Depression and earlier who say, hey, if human beings don't have to spend so much time at work, maybe we can invest more time in productive hobbies. It gives more people more time to be creative, to do all the things that we talk about doing when we eventually retire, maybe actually having the chance to do them when they're younger. So people like John Maynard Keynes were talking about the possible benefits of reducing the work week and having people spend their time in more enjoyable, more human ways. So uh, my own personal opinion is that we're not likely to arrive at either of these scenarios anytime soon, but it is important to keep an eye in particular on the leisure question so that we can encourage people Another historical trend, of course, is that people have been living longer. Again, big disparities by economic class there. 
but that's something that's raised an issue. When Social Security was first developed, there wasn't the expectation, by and large, that people would have decades of life after that. But that's something that a number of people, again, are privileged to have the chance to think about second careers, about picking up hobbies. So these are big questions. Okay, um, we have about a minute left and um, one more. So I'm going to give you one more question and hopefully uh, it will re allow you to give a relatively short answer. Um, we've talked several times here around the idea of racial and particularly gender uh, inequalities. Do you see any situation, any scenario in which those two sets of inequalities uh, actually lessen as technology becomes, as as this technological change happens? Or do you think that situation, because right now it looks like the trend is going forward, that it's it's expanding that gap. Do you see anything reversing that trend? Well, again, the question isn't really technology itself. It's really everything surrounding it, our government policies, our social customs, so those aren't technology and the conditions of work need to be part of that conversation. But overall, it's the bigger questions, such as the discussion of the minimum wage, discussion of health care. All these things need to come into that rather than just focusing on the technology. All right. We want to thank our guest for this 418th show, Dr. Amy Bix professor of history at Iowa State University. She's been talking to us about time, autonomy, and obsolescence, inequality, precarity, and work amidst 21st century technological change and pandemic crisis. The history buffs for today's show were Terry Toppler and Ed Broders. You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2, 88.5 FM and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 p.m. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put KALA HD2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. Just put K-A-L-A Radio, all one word, in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all of your favorite streaming platforms, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. ROI is recorded at Station K-A-L-A, St. Ambrose University.